Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic, great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a play. Sheik needs to be in perfect years. The Eagle has landed for the Premiers in 2018. G'day everyone, welcome to the West Coast Eagles Big Footy Podcast for another week. Coming up on this week's episode, we'll talk Waffle, AFLW, we'll talk award seasons and all the latest news, but of course the main event and the main focus of today's podcast will be what is the biggest game of the season for the West Coast Eagles and that is this Thursday's Elimination Final. I'm your host Honey Badger 35 and I'm joined this week by Mr KK, how are you? I'm good. Survived the bye week. It feels an eternity since the last game and can't wait for the next one. It really does. How has that week off, that awful bye week, affected your confidence or your nerves or your mood? Just what's your what's your general feeling around the Eagles as we head into finals now? Oh, I, I still feel I know as little about how we're going to perform as I did after the Hawthorne game. I, I think probably the break will do us good coming off that kind of performance overall. I think it just gives more time to reset and more time to... to focus on planning on how to beat Essendon because we did a good job last time we played them of really planning and executing. Yeah, absolutely. A good call. And indeed, I think we can all agree that bye came at a good time for the Eagles. Just a bit of a reset and, and, you know, straighten some things up and really get into what is now a very short season for the Eagles. Basically, we've got, at best, we've got a month to play uh, and we really just need to tick a bunch of boxes as we go along and really execute from here. Now, of course, we will get into the Essendon game in due time. That is the main event. It's the main story. But there are a few news items that we've got to get to uh, before we get into the Essendon game. So let's do that now, and we will start with the waffle. West Coast Eagles, 5-15-45, defeated West Perth, 6-6-42. The Beagles have won their first ever final... Uh, they did so in dramatic fashion. They absolutely dominated West Perth, but you wouldn't know it from the scoreboard. 64 inside 50s to 32, 20 scoring shots to 12. As I said, Beagles were in control, but they couldn't make it count. West Perth got on a run in the last term and, and got ahead with only a few minutes left. Pretty nervous times for Beagles supporters, but uh, West Perth missed a chance to seal the game, and from that behind... The Eagles went coast to coast. Bailey Williams plucked a one-handed mark. He found Brady Gray, who held his nerve, kicked a brilliant goal from 40 metres out on the run. It was close to the last kick of the game, and KK, the Beagles have won their first ever final. So how important is it for these guys, it was quite a young side, to be honest, to to get that experience in a a pressure environment and deliver? I think it can only be a good thing. I think... If we think back to the AFL team, um, that final against Port in, in 2017, I think we, we laid the foundations there for what happened in 2018. And I think a few players have spoken about how they've, the, the times that they've delivered under pressure and under adversity in games has held them in good stead for when they come in that situation again. So, yeah, it's a really pleasing thing. Uh, looking at the club as a whole, it's, it's good to have those guys continuing to play in case any of them are needed to be called up to the AFL team in the near future. And, yeah, I think it's just good to have a positive vibe about the place. 
a couple of really positive vibes, especially from some of the youngsters. Braden Ainsworth was great. He had 26 disposals. Xavier O'Neill, he's really found quite a quite a vein of form in the last couple of weeks, and he was a very good again with 24 touches. Bailey Williams, I mentioned earlier, a really important two-on-one mark in the game-winning passage of play, but just a terrific game from him. He was present all around the ground. In fact, all of the Beagles' tools were really a handful on the day. So there's a couple of the youngsters there that stood up when the pressure was on, and uh, KK, like you said, that holds us in good stead, not only for quite a clutch win this year, but perhaps for the future as well. So congratulations to the Beagles on their inaugural finals victory. As such, they obviously move on in the bracket. They will play Claremont this Sunday. It's at 10 past 2 p.m. at Revo Fitness Stadium, which is, of course, the Claremont Oval, the, the uh, newly refurbished Claremont Oval. Now, that game's live on 7 being in the thread on uh, on Sunday for this Eagles game, uh, there was a, a fair bit of a fair few fans, I suppose, a fair few posters getting around the Beagles and following that one along. So another one, hopefully this weekend, and a good result for the Beagles coming up. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it's a good point to note how young our our Beagles team is at the moment in terms of the the listed AFL guys. They're all the youngsters off our list, so if they're being able to stand up and and win a, a waffle final in pretty ordinary conditions for young players, um, it's just one of those sorts of games where big bodies prevail. So that that's a really pleasing sign. Moving on to the news for the week, and the Eagles have announced another AFLW signing. Now, this one seems to be a bit of a coup. Uh, it's a cross-code talent. They've, they've gone and looked at a rugby player and what looks to be an absolute freak athlete, and they've signed Mika Carter, who has played for the Wallaroos, the National Rugby Union side, for several years. She's captain WA's Super W team as well. Uh, and a few of the clips that they've posted on the Eagles website, on the social media accounts, she looks, like I said, a bit of a freak athlete, super quick. Uh, the skills, we'll see how that translate, but obviously, you know, a, a fair bit of experience with the chip kick as a fullback in rugby, but we'll see how her field kicking goes. But from an athletic point of view, she could be a massive point of difference for the first ever Eagles AFLW side. So congratulations to Mika on her signing. Now, as I mentioned up top, it was AFL awards season as well last week. And on top of the All-Australian selections that we discussed on last week's pod, there are a few other awards picked up throughout the week by the Eagles. Liam Ryan, he was named in the AFL's 22 under 22 team. And I think this is a guy, KK, that there were mixed opinions of him when we drafted him, and especially at the slot that we drafted him at. He had a, a pretty strong waffle resume at his time of entering the AFL, but a few question marks perhaps about work ethic or fitness, these sorts of things, how he'd translate... Well, Liam Ryan's gone from strength to strength, in my opinion. And, and, and what do you think about the, the last two years that we've seen out of flying Ryan? Yeah, I was one of those. I had a few questions about the, the price we paid, not about um, Liam himself in that draft. I've been really banging his drum all season. I think he's, from where he was when we drafted him uh, to where he is now, he's just absolutely improved out of sight. He's added so many more facets to his game in terms of his defensive pressure. He's running both ways. And he's still got the spectacular marks. So he hasn't lost anything, but he's just really improved into a, an elite player. And I'm really happy he got that that due reward. We weren't too represented in um, in the squad for that team. Um, but it's good to have a, at least one guy in there. And yeah, maybe Oscar Allen might. He'll probably still be eligible for a couple more years, I think, for that team. And I expect him to get in there at some point in the future. But I'm really wrapped for, for Liam. He's had a, a fantastic season. And uh, yeah, deserves the plaudits. It's tough when you first come into the AFL to 
take to it straight away. There's obviously a learning curve. There's a bit of a barrier to entry there. But you look at his first three games last season when he first started, 70% time on ground, 70% time on ground, 69% time on ground. So there is first three, and then he uh, unfortunately had a bit of an injury and took some time away, returning obviously later on in the year. But if we compare those stats to where he's at now with his most recent games, 79, 85, 79, he's got 84%, a row of 83s in a row, 86 at the start of the year. The guy barely leaves the field anymore. He's a gut runner, which I know we've talked about on this pod before, was a knock or a question beforehand. But the improvement that we've seen in two seasons from Liam Ryan has, uh, it's, it's been absolutely spectacular. And speaking of spectacular, the bloke's a shoe in for mark of the year from pretty much here until he retires. He's just going to keep doing it. So like you said, yeah, well-deserved and, and congratulations to Liam on that. Not our only awards recipient, though, from last week. Shannon Hearn, uh, the AFLPA Best Captain Award. He has picked that one up this year and he won it in an absolute landslide. It was voted on by his peers and not a bunch of fossils who played the game 40 years ago. Uh, so he's the best captain. That's it. It's definitive. There is no other reason to talk about any other captain in football. KK, what's your thoughts on Bunga Hearn picking up this award? Oh, fantastic. You got stiffed, obviously, twice for the All-Australian captain. You said we won't talk about other captains, but uh, you gave, they gave it to that bloke from Frio who's not a captain's arsehole, really. Um, yeah, so what can you say? Fantastic award. I think we always knew he had the respect of, of his peers in the wider AFL community. It's be hard to find a reason to dislike the guy if you were another AFL player. I think you'd just sort of respect the way that he, he leads the club and leads our team and, and, and plays the game in a in a really just good, hard but fair spirit. So, yeah, pretty easy decision for the other um, players if they were voting on the best captain. It is now time to turn our attention to the biggest game of the season. It is the elimination final, 5th versus 8th. It's this Thursday, 6.10pm at Optus Stadium. The West Coast Eagles take on Essendon. And KK, we started the season with pretty big dreams. We were looking to go back-to-back. We were looking to stake our claim as perhaps a new dynasty in football. And the path we're taking is a little bit unconventional, having finished 5th and having to do it the hard way from here on in. But I will say this. There's been a lot of danger games. The Eagles have played pressure games all year. Uh, They've obviously got finals experience, and it pretty much all boils down to just getting it done this weekend. Yeah, it does. We've uh, left ourselves a bit of a mountain to climb with the way we finished the season, but just condense it down to four weeks of our best footy, and and our best footy is good enough if if we can produce it. I think anyone who's talking about dynasties is getting... uh, way ahead of themselves, and it's not just just us. I mean, the, the great Geelong team in the late 2000s couldn't win back-to-back flags, let alone have a true dynasty. And I think what we're seeing at the moment across the, the AFL is the really the full impact of all the equalisation measures they, they put in place. This is the competition they want, where there's wafer-thin margins between a lot of the teams, and it's just a matter of who gets going at the right time. Uh, we had three premiers in a row that were not expected at the start of the season. And so we may even get a fourth one if Brisbane managed to get up there this year. So dynasties aren't happening. It's just about sort of keeping yourself up near the top of the pack. And when the chance presents itself, as difficult as it may be coming from fifth, you've just got to take it. You mentioned some of the uh, more unconventional or or unpredictable premiers in the recent years, and obviously the Dogs did have success from outside of the top four. 
It's a path that we've seen can lead to grand final success in recent years. Uh, and yeah, it's just, it is the mountain that the Eagles have built for themselves that they now have to climb. So we will see how it plays out and we will break it down in a fair bit of detail. But just having a look broadly at first, the Eagles and the Bombers have, of course, met twice at Optus Stadium. A, a quite a resounding victory for the Bombers last year, which was one of the darker days of 2018 uh, when, we, when we had that game and that poor performance. But the Eagles made amends this year. They had a really solid outing against Essendon at Optus Stadium in round 14. And so it's one apiece at the venue. Uh, these are sides that don't really meet too often, to be honest. It's sort of a once-a-season affair. So hard to get too much of a read into how the matchups all sit historically. Uh, but let's look to the future. We'll throw out history and we'll just focus on this Thursday's game. Now, first thing, first bit of good news, the forecast. So 80% chance of rain on Tuesday and Wednesday. It's obviously been raining across most of the weekend and all through Monday as well in Perth. But Thursday, the forecast is for 0% chance of rain. It might be a little bit cold. It is a night game. It might be a little bit dewy and sleek. But fingers crossed, we should have no rain. And we've seen that that plays into the Eagles' hands throughout this season. Now, KK... We'll move away from talking about the weather and all the uncontrollables. Let's talk about the controllables. The first major talking point of the week, and that is, of course, changes. The Eagles held several players over from the Waffle. The Bombers have done so from the VFL, and they made a couple of interesting ins and outs in their final game of the season to prep for the final as well. So with that in mind, who do you think is going to come in for the Eagles with the season on the line? Yeah, I think we could have up to four changes this weekend. I think Schofield will come back in. Um, I just think our defence looks better with him down there. Nat Nui, all, all the news for the last few weeks has been he's going to be ready for week one of the finals, and if he is, he'll come straight back in. Um, Simo made some comments about Hutchings today, that he's going to be in our, our squad of 26, and I could see um, Jared Cameron. I'd like to see Jared Cameron get a game as well. He had a Petricelli. That's, that's a bit... Bit more of a wash and a bit less um, predictable about how how the match committee is going to go go with those. Um, Archie was the other guy who was held over from the waffle as well. I don't know if we'd have five people if you include the five I mentioned all coming in. So one of them will miss out. I, th- I think Archie's probably the kind of guy they'll have in the the, the twenty six man squad. And he's a good emergency because he can play in a, a number of different positions from midfield into forward line. But I don't think he'll uh, be in the final 22 if everyone's fit and available. You touched on most of the key changes there, and I suppose if we're doing a, an ins and outs, it's it's a bit stiff because there are some guys who have been playing well that will have to miss a final. Uh, but obviously, let's start with the first obvious one, which is Nick Natanui. He has to come in if he's ready. We've discussed this for weeks, and I think that it will probably be Jake Waterman making way for Natanui uh, if he were to be available and, and that change were to be made. So what's your read on, on who we drop to bring Nick Nat back in? Yeah, my gut feeling's been the same as yours, that, that Waterman will be the, the one to come out. I think probably Oscar Allen's the only other option there. I, I don't see us dropping a small for Nat Nui. I think it just leaves us too tall. And Nat Nui kind of throws a bit of the balance around in terms of he doesn't play a huge time on ground percentage and when he's not in the ruck, he's probably going to be on the bench. And I imagine Hickey will be quite similar. I don't think we'll see too much time. They'll both be on the ground. So those minutes have to be picked up by other players. So I don't I don't see us dropping dropping a midfielder to accommodate Nat Nui. Okay, so we've got Nick Nat for Waterman that we expect is going to be made. Now, Cameron for Petrocelli, you touched on. 
I'll, I'll second that one as well. I'd love to see the change made. Cameron debuted against Essendon, and he had a, a really nice outing as well against the Bombers. So just that defensive run, the pressure, relentless tackling. And I think Petch has been a little bit down uh, in the last couple of weeks. He's, he's sort of an almost player where he, he's very, very close to always just blowing the lid off the game. And it hasn't quite stuck, apart from a few games here and there this year. So uh, it's stiff, as I said. Petra obviously been heavily involved this year. But for me, uh, and I think KK, same as you, Cameron for Petricelli to be made as well. Now, the Schofield inclusion. I'm with you. I'd love to see him come in. Uh, Barras has been a bit shaky in the last few weeks. It frees up him to play less of a negating role and more of an intercepting role. Same with McGovern. It's really good having, having just a no-nonsense, old-school, set-and-forget key backman in there so bring Schofield in but with that somebody needs to make way so in your mind KK who do you think is the unlucky one to make way for Schofield I think by process of elimination it's going to be Jackson Nelson and I feel for him I think he's done a really solid job since he came in and with Fantasia McDonald Tip and Woody I'd kind of like to have him in there as that that rugged sort of defender but I can't really make a case for dropping anyone else ahead of him unfortunately um, Duggan, Duggan was rusty last week, but I, I think he's got the runs on the board. He's, he's best 22, and, and he can play that, that physical um, physical role on one of their smalls as well. So I feel for Nelson. And my, although my gut is that Hearn's not actually fit, and I could see Nelson getting a reprieve, and Schofield will actually replace Hearn in the team. We'll move on to Shannon Hearn in just a moment, but while we're on this Nelson-Duggan dilemma... Uh, now, I suppose it is a wash if somebody else were to miss, but I've got those same two as the as the outs for Schofield. I have thought all along it will be Nelson, but something that's giving me pause is, is the Eagles' management of that waffle final. So they applied for special consideration to have Mark Hutchings and also Liam Duggan eligible to play in the waffle final just gone over the weekend. Uh, now, very clearly, they would not play a guy on Sunday that they had in their plans for Thursday. So do you read anything into that? Or, you know, what, what do we make of Duggan? Like you say, he was down on form, but it was a return week, and you'd expect him to build back into that better form that we've seen from him. Is it just good management and keeping your options open that uh, that we wanted to yeah, have, have those guys? We might have got the special dispensation and then not decided to play them anyway. Um, so I'm, I'm not reading reading too much into it. Fair enough. Well, you did touch on it just earlier, and we will move along now to Shannon Hearn. Uh, a bit of a talking point throughout the week is that there's been rumours of an injury, and he obviously didn't travel to the All-Australian dinner. There were some thoughts that perhaps it was more serious, you know, sort of a season-ending style injury. Um, but Simo today has confirmed that, yes, he is indeed suffering from a hamstring strain. It happened in the opening few moments of the Hawks game, so any poor output in there can perhaps be, you know, put an asterisk next to it and say... You know, he was playing through the injury and he, he was doing his best with a with a sore hamstring. But like you just mentioned, perhaps not fully fit. There's a bit of media speculation about his training load and whether he will or will not get up. So are you expecting him to get up? No, I'm not. I think he'll, he'll miss. I think it'll come down. It'll be a close call. And I think the club might gamble that by, by playing him would potentially make it worse and that it would be end of season. I think they'll gamble on going with 22 fit players and hoping they get that the season continues into next week and they'll get a fit Hearn back that they can have faith that he'll get through the game and get through any future games as well. So I think this is a pretty clear example of where the double chance or the lack of double chance is going to come back and bite us because 
that is something that you would consider, you know, taking a gamble and ultimately it's it's your captain. It's a very damaging player, but you do need long-term fitness in the finals if your campaign is to continue. So where where we had the double chance, that's a gamble that I'd be pretty willing to endorse because you can still get the result, fingers crossed, and if you don't, it's not season over and you can bring Hearn back in the future. But given that we're in an elimination final, if, if it were up to you, KK, it was solely your call, and let's say, I mean, this is very difficult to do from outside the club. Let's say he's 70%, right? Would you be saying, no, this is our season, we have to play Shannon Hearn? Or would you endorse that long-term view and, and fingers crossed that the replacement can play to a suitable level and we'll still get the job done? Oh, my judgment's a bit clouded by his last two weeks that have been really poor. And if um, if his output was going to be like it was in the Hawks game, playing with that injury, then I'd say leave him out. Yeah, that's why I'm not a coach. <laughs> I would say I'm not going to take that gamble. I'm not, I'm not going to take the gamble of playing him. I'll say I'll trust the, the next cat off the rank. And that that's an ethos that we had last year and held us in good stead that whoever's next up in that position, you just have to come in and do, and do a job and I'll back them in to do it. And with the extra week, then hopefully we'll get home back the next week. And with, without... Sounding arrogant, we should be beating Essendon, Hearn or no Hearn. Yeah, I think you wouldn't get a lot of argument from most people outside of perhaps your Essendon board, but it's it is that thing where you're playing finals and and you can't afford any slip up. If things, let's say, you get a three to four goal lead and then Essendon kick two to three quick ones and really get it, you know, back on level terms, the momentum swung. You do want your captain and some veteran leadership out there to level things. So it is a risk and it is something that we will discuss now. Best case scenario. He gets up, everything's all good. Club tick him off and he comes out and plays a blinder. But that is certainly a massive storyline to monitor as we get closer to Thursday. Now, another few interesting notes from Adam Simpson's press conference this morning. He mentioned that Oscar Allen has played in the back line before. Now, this was a follow-on from the Hearn comments. We've touched on Allen potentially being an out for Nat Nui, which I think would be very stiff. Uh, but also with Hearn potentially missing, would you see... Allen's shifting down back is something you'd like to do, or would you rather keep your Duggins and Nelsons in the side to cover the loss of Shannon Hearn? I saw the comment on Twitter. My first thought was, I wonder what question that was in response to, if it was something raised by one of the journalists. Because I I don't see a scenario that Oscar Allen plays in defence. Whether if if Hearn doesn't play at all, then say we've got Schofield, Barras and McGovern down there. I, I don't see where we would need... Allen down back, or if you want to bring another tall in to replace her and bring like Rotham in, I would have thought, yeah, I, I just can't see without an in-game injury where Allen would be moved down back, or maybe a total desperation move where we chuck McGovern forward late in the game because we're because we're struggling. It seemed a very odd comment to make. Yeah, I I, I struggle to think that that is a lever that they would pull. Uh, I think if Allen's in the side, he's shown a lot as a lead-up forward and just general now, even for a big guy at ground level, you know, he's got a good goal sense and pretty decent picking the ball up off the floor as well for a guy his size. So relentless pursuer of the footy. He's played great in the ruck, even though that's a challenge that I think most wouldn't have projected for him at the start of the year or at the start of his career. So for a guy that's played through the middle and also up forward, the concept of throwing him down back in a final uh, it's a bit of a Hail Mary for me, a bit of a strange one. But again, maybe that leads uh, some weight, lends some weight to Shannon Hearn's injury being more real than not. Again, something to monitor, and we will watch that one in the next couple of days. 
Let's talk Mark Hutchings. You mentioned him before uh, in your potential changes. Simo did say that he's going to be in our 26-man squad. Now, he was also applied for that special consideration like we just touched on with the waffle. Does that indicate that he's ready? Like he said, could it have just been good management? Or what are we expecting out of Hutchings? Is it a guy that you would bring in after what seemed a pretty significant injury and a fairly quick recovery? I probably wouldn't bring him in. I think we've been hurt a couple of times this year in the um, Hawthorne game and, and the Richmond game where Hutchings went off injured and we really we set him up to play a specific role and we, we lost that when he went off. Reading the tea leaves, the club want him in for this game, so I do expect him to play. I would say I probably wouldn't do it. I'd leave the the defensive forward play to Cameron, um, probably give him a role on one of either Saad or McKenna, and then get one of the other guys to, to pick up the other one, maybe not, not as a hard tag, because <clears throat> they could have enough trouble keeping busy with our forwards to worry about getting forward. We don't need to just tag them all out of the game. But I really do think that Hutchings is going to play. Uh, with the the waffle dispensation, as I say, maybe they weren't going to play him, or they might have, even though it was a final play, him on limited minutes. Because we have to remember, as good as it is for the Beagles, at the end of the day, they're still a reserve side. So if we want to play a guy just to get him match fitness, even in a knockout final, then we're going to do it. The other thing I think that factors into the Hutchings uh, option is that we've seen him play not as a tagger. Now, last time we played Essendon, he had a defensive forward role on Saad and he did a very, very good job. He held him to 12 disposals. But since then, we've seen Hutchings move just into that general defensive midfield role without an actual run with job. Chris Marston's in, been in decent form. He obviously played the Hawthorne game, uh, having missed the prior, a couple of prior games. But, but before going out, he was in some great form, 25 disposals, 21, 21, and then three games of 19 in a row to close the season. So he's accumulating a little better than he was at the front end of the year. I think going back to the waffle in the middle of the year was either a wake-up call or he got some coaching pointers. He got a refined role. I'm not sure what it was, but I think he's been playing pretty decently, pretty solidly, so it's not like there's a desperation to bring Hutchings in just to play that defensive running role. Now, if we do want to tag Saad, like you mentioned, I think there's Cameron, hopefully, will come in and he could play that role. Cripps covers a lot of ground, but he can always put a bit of pressure into somebody or put a bit of time into somebody. So, for me, I think I'm in agreement with you. It does seem like the club want to bring Hutchings in. If it were up to me, I'd be leaving him out at least one more week and we'll wait to see how that one plays out. Okay, now the big one, and this is, without question, the biggest one. It's the one we've been talking about for two months now. It is Nick Natanui's return. It seems all but certain that he will play on Thursday. He hasn't played final since 2015, so it'll be great to see him out there in a, in a crucial game as well. But more, more important than his finals impact is just his impact in general. We've seen the guys, they all walk taller. He's physical. He's hard at it. He just lifts the side. He boosts the fans. It's, a, it's just a great inclusion to be able to have for a final. And I think the midfield battle is going to be very telling this week. Uh, Essendon have been in decent form at an individual level. Their midfielders have been playing some pretty decent footy of late. So I think it's that that clearance game is going to be a massive, massive telling point. And that is KK where Nick Natanui gives us the biggest boost of all. Absolutely. I had the, the misfortune of watching a bit of our game against Collingwood earlier in the week. And um, that first quarter before he got injured, it was just a... Um, a masterclass in, in clearance work from, from Natanui. And I think we're going to need the same. I think 
yeah, hopefully we get it. Um, I think he's fit. I think the, the club for a long time has been planning for this and they're going to unleash him. Hickey has been pretty decent this year, but he, his last two weeks weren't, weren't great. He got pretty soundly. I thought Segler beat him pretty soundly on the uh, the, the Hawthorne game. Mm. So I think having Nat Nui in there will really just, just gives that different dimension. And his ability when the ball hits the ground to prevent the opposition getting clean breaks out of the clearances, particularly in the centre, is is huge. So in the two full games that he played this year, now you touched on the Collingwood game there, and that first quarter was incredible. It seemed like he beat Grundy to every footy. If he wasn't just taking it out of the ruck and hacking it forward himself, it was his follow-up work, it was his tap work. So uh, unfortunately, I'm going to exclude those numbers, though, because he did get injured and sort of laboured through the rest of that game. But in the two full games he played this season, we averaged plus 19 in the clearances. If you take every other game on the season, we average plus one. So small sample size, absolutely a small sample size. But the boost that Nat Nui gives us in the middle is undeniable. I think it's going to be massive this week, and fingers crossed it's going to be massive for the next month. The other thing that you have to factor in with Nat Nui, of course, is the time on ground. So in 2016, before he got hurt, he averaged 68% time on ground. Last year, he came back from his first knee and he averaged 60%. Now, this year, he's played three games. He's down to 55%. So we know that you need to have a backup plan for Nick Natanui. You touched on Hickey. We've also talked about Allen a little bit. Do you think there's any chance that we see Natanui spend some time forward or doing anything other than ruck and straight to the bench? How do you think we mitigate that 50-odd percent time on ground you'd expect from Nick Natanui? I think we'd probably ask Hickey to do a bit more work in the forward line. And, and he's shown some some talent up in the forward line this year at times. Um, taken some clutch marks, kicked a few nice goals. I, I don't I don't think we'll be asking Natanui to do too much work in the forward line. I, I, I don't think he... He's naturally suited to being down there, there anyway. And I think with Alan not having to to be in the ruck, I expect his time on ground maybe to go up a bit as well. He'll just he'll spend time as a permanent forward, not have to get to so many ruck ruck contests. Might be able to allow him to stay fresher on the ground without having to spend as much time off. So that's how I think we'll manage the impact on time on ground from having Dan Nui there. Okay, let's turn our attention to Essendon. Uh, and I, I touched on it earlier. They were fairly creative in round 23 with their ins and outs. And by creative, I mean they tanked the last game of the season because they wanted to play at the G and it backfired massively. But with that said, they do seem to be set to welcome everybody back into the side, all their key figures back in. Uh, Cal Toomey today reporting that Heppel, Hooker, Fantasia, Stringer and Hurley all trained in various capacities and they all seem pretty likely to be included in the side. Now, a recent bit of injury news for Essendon is that small defender Martin Gleeson uh, will miss the game. Now, he's played every single game for them since round 15. Uh, so a little bit of a disruption there, but perhaps not the guy that you'd expect to change the game massively, though it is another rebounding option that they lose. So KK, assuming they're going to come in fairly fully fit, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty pretty healthy side. In fact, it's both sides are coming into this game fairly healthy. What do you expect out of Essendon, given that they've got absolutely everything to play for and it's a ground that shouldn't really hold a lot of fear for them? Essendon are probably the flakiest team in the competition along with, with Port. Um, it's a team that on their day can beat anyone. And it's also the same team that can concede 21 goals in a row to the Bulldogs. So I I don't know what, what to expect, actually. 
I, I hope my gut feeling says this game won't be that close. That one team will get a jump early and, and go on with it. And I think with the boost that Nat Nui will give us in the middle, it will be be us. And Essendon do have a tendency to, to drop their bundle if it gets away from them. So maybe I'm just thinking heart more than head that that will happen. Um, but I, I, I generally think that we'll we will dominate them early, and and that will that will be that. So when we played Essendon this year, uh, first quarter very very even, twenty two to twenty four. Essendon were ahead at quarter time. Now you swing it forward to three quarter time, and it was eighty three forty nine in favour of the Eagles. We led by thirty four points. So we did all of our work in the middle there. In the second quarter, it was thirty four to 13 uh, in the third quarter it was 27 to 12 so we really limited Essendon scoring in those middle patches and then like you said that's that tendency to fold or just sort of let the game play out and not really make that big last run but I will say when we played Essendon they were missing Matt Guelphy for effectively the whole game that was obviously the McGovern fence incident they were a man down on the bench and while they haven't been in terrific form of late their best is still very very bloody dangerous they uh, a bit of a VFL love child for that. When they get on, on a roll, the, the media really gets behind them. And how good is Essendon? Boy, nobody wants to play Essendon. So, you know, their best footy is, is pretty damaging. Is, what specifically, or is there, is there any one thing in their list that really strikes fear into you as you're looking at this matchup? Oh, I think it's their pace. And the, their flakiness probably is the thing that, that scares you the most. That when, when they get a run on and all their players are ahead of the ball... They, they are probably one of the quickest sides going around in terms of just the foot speed and the speed they move the ball because every guy is um, running with an attacking mindset. So that's probably the that's probably the biggest danger. But I, I think the way to beat them is, is mentally. And if we can, as we did the first time, if we can stop that drive off half-back, turn it into a bit of a grind um, and, and take away that sort of enthusiasm they get for moving the ball quickly, then I think that's going to be going to be the best way to get over the top of them. So let's keep it on that Essendon back line and indeed the matchup with the Eagles forward line. You're rightly pointing out how strong they are and how frequently they rely on that drive off the halfback. They're second in the league for rebound 50s. Now, with potentially no Hutchings, uh, we, we might not see a hard tag on, on Saad and all of their rebounders, though we might see Cameron like we touched on earlier. We might even see Hutchie. So we wait to see how that rebounding stuff goes. But let's talk the more traditional one-on-ones and, and your key talls going out against each other out of the goal square. Let's talk Hurley versus Kennedy. Uh, in the previous meeting between the sides, Kennedy was terrific. He took eight marks inside 50. He only kicked three goals, five. But if you flip those around, he could have had a massive day. He was clearly one of the most influential players on the ground that day. Now, both Kennedy and Hurley have been injured and they've both been sort of out of form in recent weeks. What do you expect out of that? Is that going to be the premier target that we look for as we go inside 50? Or do you think the Eagles are going to adjust and really attack through Darling and Allen and these sorts of guys whilst Essendon may be more focused on Kennedy? I'd like to see us change our point of attack a bit more than we do, but I've probably thought that for a while and it doesn't always happen. So I think Kennedy will still be the focus, particularly if Hurley is under an injury cloud. And particularly given how well Kennedy went against against him last time, I think I think Kennedy's primed for a big game this week. I don't think he uh, rumours of his death are greatly exaggerated. It's fair to say that, but boy, what you can probably can say is that his good games are going to be less frequent. But I, I think this week is going to be going to be one of the big ones. And yes, yeah, so much back, so much 
of footy and finals comes down to just mentality and hopefully Hurley's got a few nightmares of playing Kennedy over at Optus this year and if he's not fully fit himself that might play into his mind as well and I think we will look to take advantage of that and I think we will and conversely if Essendon do try to put some extra numbers around that contest to um, to nullify Kennedy, then then Darling and Allen are, are very capable of taking advantage of that if they get a, a weakened defender there. Now we'll flip the field. We'll take a look at our back line up against Essendon's forward line. The interesting thing to note here is the size disparity. So if Schofield comes in, which I think we all hope he does, you've got Schofield, you've got Barras, you've got McGovern, potentially Hearn, uh, you'll have Shepard, potentially Duggan. So there's a couple of your bigger guys down there. Essendon, not notorious for a tall forward line. And in fact, a lot of their damage gets done from their, you know, their smalls to mid-sized guys, your Tip and Woodies, uh, your Fantasias, Stringer, these sorts of players. So if we're talking matchups, we've got a lot of height and there might not be a perfect one-on-one matchup for, say, your McGovern type. But let's talk about those smalls, the Tip and Woody, the Fantasias, the Stringers. How do we match up with these guys where we might have players giving away a bit of speed against their direct opponent? I think most of our guys are, are pretty flexible. Barras is probably the one that is going to struggle the most on a small defender. McGovern is a bit funny. He has at times been exposed playing on smaller, quicker players. Other times he's just um, been really dominant against them as well. I think Schofield, Schofield did a great job on the goey in the grand final. Stringer's that, a similar kind of player. He's that, that bulky, um, bulky mid-sized forward pretty quick. Um I, I think experience it comes down to as well. I just think our guys know what they need, know the tactics they can get away with, and know what they can they can do to get the game on their terms. And at the end of the day, it's going to be a, a collective collective effort. And the other way we can nullify their pace is not getting sucked too far up the ground and letting them get out the back. So there's there's a couple of dangerous guys uh, like we've touched on the, these small forwards, your Fantasia types and and your Tip and Woodies, these sorts of blokes. So looking at Fantasia, when we played them last, he was coming in in red hot form, uh, two goals, two goals, four goals, four goals, and two goals in his previous five outings. And Brad Shepherd, or indeed not just Brad Shepherd, but the team effort in general, the machine really held him down, uh, led by Shep, of course, held him to six disposals and no goals. Tip and Woody kicked a goal. Uh, but just the one, and it was, in fact, the first game where he'd kicked a goal and Essendon went on to lose. So we did a very good job of nullifying their smalls last time, though that was a game we played without Barras, so we weren't as tall when we went in. Um, Definitely something to watch in terms of how we structure up our back line, but you're right in saying that I think the experience, there is a vast experience gulf between the Eagles and Essendon when it comes to finals footy, so perhaps that is something that will hold us in good stead as we shape towards Thursday. Now, the last line to address is obviously the midfield. The Eagles' midfield has been up and down of late, and they've shown some really, really great performances this year. And like uh, most of the rest of the side, the last fortnight has been really quite poor from the mids. So they're coming up against quite a talented list. Shiel, Heppel, Merritt, McGrath, Parrish, these sorts of guys. Now, there's no Zaharakis for Essendon. He did play last time, but he, he will miss this game. So what are you expecting out of those midfield matchups between the Bombers and the Eagles? Well, I'm hoping our midfield pulls their finger out from what they've done the last couple of weeks. Um, I think we, we've probably got a bit of a size advantage in the midfield. 
Uh, a lot of that is, uh, I guess, to do with a bit of age and experience. Like guys like Magrara and Parrish are still pretty pretty inexperienced and young in their career. You look at compare them to the size of Shuey or Yo or or Redden. I think that's probably where we can where we can uh, make our make our difference felt. I think Yo Yo's the key. Is if we get angry Yo, then then watch out Essendon. I don't think they've really got anyone in their midfield that's going to be able to to match up with him and and hopefully Shuey can feed off that because he's been a bit down the last couple of weeks which is uncharacteristic because he's had probably his best season for us as well and coming off the Norm Smith so yeah it's an interesting sort of midfield matchup I think they they have us probably for for speed um but we've got them for for size and physicality so we'd better we'd better use that like to see along with Angry Yo I want to see Angry Redden really getting into their face he Strikes me as the kind of guy that should be built for finals footy. Just when it becomes a lot more physical, there's a lot more tackles, and he seems to love that sort of stuff. Um, and maybe you can even bring Dom Sheed along for the the ride if we could get a tackle or two out of him. It might change everything. Imagine that! What a clutch finals performance <laughs> no, from Dom that'd be. Um, talking about tackles and, and the size disparity in the midfield. Again, not to harp too much on about the last time these sides met, but it was a bit of a midfield masterclass from the guys you mentioned, your Sheeds and your Reddens, Shuey, these sorts of guys. Um, taking a look at our top five ball winners on the day, you had Sheed who had one tackle, uh, Gaff no tackles, but then Redden six, Shuey seven, Yo 12. Now you compare that to Essendon's top five ball winners on the day, Dyson Heppel, zero tackles. Merritt had six to his credit. Hooker, zero. Parrish, zero. Zaharakis, two. So it is that that size and, and the maturity, the experience, perhaps. We do have an opportunity to bully them at the coalface. But like you rightly pointed out, that once the, the turnover comes or once they win the ball cleanly, that forward drive from Essendon's fast players is, is really damaging. And it's something we've seen cut up the Eagles for a few years now. So the ruck battle, the midfield battle, definitely the, the main point of emphasis this week, I think, because... Although Essendon do like to rebound off the back 50, I think if you just keep inundating them with ball use, eventually our forward talent should win out. So you win at the coalface and you're every chance to win this game. While we're talking about the mids, and you touched on him, Luke Shuey, he's been down a little bit of late, but it is, of course, his 200th game coming up, and it's a fantastic opportunity for him to bounce back put his stamp on the final series like he's done so many times before. He teased us in that Port Adelaide game with the game winner. The Norm Smith medal was absolutely remarkable. This is a bloke that we've seen go from strength to strength throughout the duration of his Eagles career. So what do you make of Luke Shuey's career thus far and how happy are we to see him notch up the 200th game for the West Coast Eagles? I think it's great that he's made it to 200 games with us. There's always a a risk and has been rumours about him going back to Victoria. I think every time he's come up to out of contract and um, fair play to him. He's, he's committed to the club. I think he's a hugely underrated player across the league. And I think I might have mentioned podcast earlier in the year. It's it's maybe because he doesn't have the, the highlight stats against overmatched opposition. He kind of just does what needs to be done. But when there's a big game and a big fourth quarter required, he is more often than not our best player. And, yeah, I, I, that's what I'd rather have. I don't want the guy that just racks up the stats against the weaker teams and then isn't there when you need him. I'd rather the guy who maybe coasts through those games a bit but is the, the man when we need him. And, yeah, great effort. 
um, yeah, nothing more to say, really. He's a bloke that's dealt with a great deal of adversity in his life, both in football and away from football as well, specifically early on in his career. Um, he lost his sister very early on in his AFL career. He had some major injuries, you know, osteitis pubis, broken legs, knee injuries, these sorts of things. So he was really slow to get out of the gate uh, for a number of factors well beyond his control. But then from 2011 onwards, once he really cemented himself in the side, just an absolute beast. He's obviously he's the vice captain. He's an iconic figure in the Eagles side, super popular. That grand final, um, I'm, not, I'm not a massive believer in these ranking points from champion data, but when they serve my purpose, I'm more than happy to pump up their tyres. So the Norm Smith performance last year, it was the best finals game ever recorded under their system. Uh, he tallied 35.7 ranking points in the grand final. Now, the previous highest final ever was 30.9. Only three guys had ever cracked 30, and Shuey absolutely blew them out of the water. So if, you, if it's the sort of thing you put weight into, it's just you know, mathematical proof or analytical proof that Shuey's Norm Smith was one for the ages. And uh, he's, he's somehow been both under the radar but almost in a career-best statistical form this year. Career highs in kicks, disposals, inside 50s. Just a great player, a great leader. Usually stands up when the pressure's on as well. So congratulations to Luke Shuey on his 200. And it's the sort of game that's just tailor-made for him to make an impact. Well, we've been talking about it for long enough. It is time to man up, to make a decision and to put our necks on the line and tell us what is going to happen this weekend. So KK, I'll start with you here. What do you think is going to happen with the result? Which eagle do you think is going to impress us the most? And do we continue on in season 2019? Yes, we do continue on in season 2019. I think Essendon are a team that are not going to win the premiership this year and some point in the finals, they're going to lose one um, pretty convincingly, and I think it's going to be this week. I think the difference in that knee will make in the middle. I think their midfield is not... You went through the tackle stats before. I don't think their midfield is that well suited to finals footy, and I think that's where we're, our experience and our physicality will, will dominate them and we'll go on from there. I think Josh Kennedy will... Uh, prove the doubters wrong, take advantage of potentially wounded Michael Hurley and have a, a game similar to what he had earlier in the season. And I think the Eagles will win by 33 points. Great prediction. I've got Eagles by 32. So I hope we are both very close and both very happy at the end of Thursday night's game. Um, yeah, I echo that. Look, I think somewhere along the line, not to discount them, but Essendon, as you've rightly pointed out, very flaky or, or indeed up and down. Their best is great. Their worst is dreadful. Not dissimilar to the Eagles, but perhaps there is that golf in experience and, and poise on the day. So I think if the Eagles jump them early and, and get ahead, you could see a little mini run in the third quarter, but then maybe a bit of a folding and, and, and hopefully we can really uh, put them to the sword and, and get a, a strong September campaign underway in style. So I will say that the Eagles, yes, do indeed win. They're going to win by 32. And Dom Sheed for best on ground. He had a, a ton of disposals last time the sides met. He kicked two goals. He's obviously Mr. September around these parts as well. So perhaps the forgotten man when you talk about our midfield versus theirs, they might put a lot of time into Yo. They might put a lot of time into Shuey. They might have somebody go on the outside with Gaff. But eventually the weight of numbers, a guy like Sheed can get away from you and, and get off the chain. So hopefully uh, Sheed Timber is back in 2019. It does feel like one of those Eagles games where the first 
five or ten minutes, you know what the result's going to be. And if if Essendon kick the first two or three and you're watching at home like me, maybe think of a plan B because it might be a long night. But, of course, when Nat Nui taps it straight down to Shuey in the opening clearance and he bangs it inside and we fashion a goal out of it, it's going to be a long night because you're going to be watching the replay, mate. It's going to be one for the ages. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, well, that will do it from us this week. Uh, It's certainly a massive week in Eagles footy. It always seems to be, but at this time of year, this is is definitely the big one, and it's only going to get bigger from here. Fingers crossed this is the first game of several games throughout the month of September, and we hope for the best for the Eagles. And really, I suppose, for the rest of the finals bracket, there's a a couple of interesting ways that the other games could play out and, and see the Eagles' path be pretty advantageous you know quite quite inviting as we get towards those later stages of the finals but before we get there there is a job to be done this thursday and kk we've broken it down thanks very much for your time and thanks for your insight yeah thanks for hosting it as always certainly no problem always my pleasure guys if you've got any feedback for us or if you'd like to leave a question a comment anything like that for the pod maybe a review on itunes or wherever you're listening to it that'd be much appreciated as i said look massive game on thursday fingers crossed for the eagles that they get the result and they do it in style we will talk to you next week one way or the other uh, but i hope we will talk to you for many weeks beyond that as well so let's go eagles in the 2019 finals bye now up the bloody coasters